This is the smell of the leftover tuna fish sandwich you left in your lunchbox over the weekend in a wimpy trash bag. Wimpy, wimpy, wimpy! Blech! And this is the smell of that same sandwich in a hefty, ultra-strong trash bag. Hefty, hefty, hefty! Ah, smell the difference? Hefty Ultra Strong has Arm & Hammer with continuous odor control, so no matter what's inside your trash. Hmm. You can stay one step ahead of Stinky. And for bigger jobs, try the superior strength of Hefty Large Black Bags. Bada boom, realest podcast in the room. How you doing? Welcome to episode 67 of the Rutgers Scoutcast, and, well, I may be the only person in the room right now, but it is... My pleasure to bring Rutgers fans this show every week. My goals for a long time now have been to give Rutgers fans a place to talk about Rutgers and talk about facts and avoid the social media nonsense and the terrible jokes and the the misinformation and the clickbait. We, We don't do that, and that's one of my favorite parts about doing this podcast is... I can convey at least some of what we offer over at the Scarlet Report family. I can convey some of that to people that don't have the money or don't have the interest in into you know paying a a little fee to be a part of a community that isn't about the nonsense and that's actually about talking about Rutgers. Today on the show, episode sixty-seven. I can't believe that we are almost fifteen, sixteen months into. The Rutgers Scoutcast, it's been cool to see the numbers grow and the listeners grow. I get more and more tweets and requests from people to come on the show and submissions to the Rutgers Scoutcast mailbag, and I really hope to keep that going through year two. Last year, around this time, is when the podcast got really big because it was when actual sports started. That's going to be part of the focus of the body of this episode, is talking about how things are really about to fire up. By the time you're listening to this, Rutgers will be trimming down its roster. I don't know if that's the right phrase for it. They'll be setting their 105-man roster for training camp. Obviously, rosters can expand in September with more walk-ons and late qualifiers and stuff like that. But the main guys that you're going to see this season, Rutgers should be announcing that. Uh, Honestly, I, I don't know... You know, sometime within 72 hours of this podcast going live, I expect some news out of that. There's always some news. The one that really sticks out to me, roster-wise, was I still remember this. It was it was my first Big East media day. Um, maybe two months after I graduated from college, I had just been hired by Scout to to take over the Rutgers site. This is when Brian took a bigger job at the company. It left a space at Rutgers, and I was brought in. You know, shout out to uh, Joel Cox and Ben Beachler for giving me a shot. It's been great the last six years, and man, does that make me feel old. It was my first Big East media day, and the big story roster-wise, it might sound dumb to some folks, but the big story roster-wise was a new long snapper added to the roster. His name was Steve Belichick, and I think people know where that went. I still remember driving back from Newport, Rhode Island. I called my buddy Kyle Franco, who is going to be on this podcast pretty soon, I think. Uh, He's the editor of the Trentonian. He covered Rutgers lacrosse for a long time. And so I still remember talking about, wow, how about that? That's a nice little surprise for Rutgers adding Bill Belichick's son. 
Anyway, there's always something like that. Maybe it's not that dynamic. A lot of big things coming up. Uh, Big Ten Media Day. We're going to talk about that in the body of the show with our second guest. Big Ten Media Day is Monday and Tuesday in Chicago. I will be there Tuesday for the Rutgers session. Frankly, I don't care what the other schools have to say on Monday because that ain't my job. And I don't think many of you really care that much either. You're here for Rutgers news, and that's what I'm going to be doing Tuesday. Rutgers representatives are Dorian Miller, Sebastian Joseph, and Bless On Austin. Uh, two of them have already been on the Rutgers Scoutcast. If you want to go into the archives and get to know Sebastian Joseph and Dorian Miller, I'm going to try and get them both on as returning guests, as well as Bless On Austin's debut on the podcast. I had some great Big Ten Media Day content thanks to the folks at Rutgers that really do a good job making sure that the beat writers are taken care of. Uh, I'll be out in Chicago, and hopefully we can get some good podcasting stuff there. Uh, unfortunately, I also subjected you all to Ryan Dunleavy, and Ryan Dunleavy of NJ.com during last year's Media Day. I won't do that again to you. That's a joke, by the way. The other big thing coming up, I'm guessing there will be podcasts and tons of Scarlet Report-related content on this end is the Marco Battaglia practice field dedication. Tickets are still available. There are special gifts being given out. They're almost done with construction as we approach training camp. Uh, Contact me or honestly, frankly, just go to scarletknights.com or heck, I bet you if you tweet at Jeff Towers or John Newman, uh, you're gonna get a, Sarah Baumgartner, you're gonna get a response in about five seconds with information on that. They're all really jacked up as far as a donor base and an athletic department, and for good reason. So that's one of my longer intros to date. I won't ramble with you anymore. Instead, I'm going to welcome in our first of two guests to the Rutgers ScoutCast this week. My first guest to the program is Australian punter Adam Corsack. He committed late last week, uh, actually committed while at the airport heading to America. He's currently on tour with his team viewing colleges. No, don't think of that as him looking around at other schools. Think of it this way. If you were a soccer player, wouldn't you want to visit Australia, even if you were already committed to a school? That's how I look at it. Anyway, you're going to get to know him on the show. He was nice enough to call in while he and his teammates were hanging out in Memphis, Tennessee. After we hear from Adam Corsak, our second guest is Brian Fonseca. Brian is going to be joining our staff next week as uh, our editorial intern for the fall semester. Brian is a Rutgers student, former editor of the Daily Targum, so there's a soft spot in my heart there. You will get to know Brian, you know, how he went to Rutgers, you know, his experience covering Rutgers football, Rutgers basketball, everything that he's done, and we'll get his take on the news this week. Brian Dome will be back next week for the news. This week it's going to be me and Brian Fonseca. If you can't keep up with all the Brians, I mean, hey, life is tough in Edison. What can I say? Welcome back to the Rutgers ScoutCast. Excited to have uh, an international guest this week, and that is the newest member of the Rutgers football recruiting class. How are you doing, man? Yeah, I'm great. How are you, man? I'm doing well. Uh, You are currently in Memphis, Tennessee. I am in Piscataway, New Jersey, as we do this interview. How are you enjoying your time in the States so far this time? Yeah, I'm just with um, the Project Australia Tour. Um, Yeah, it's living up to all expectations. I'm thoroughly enjoying it. Um, Just heading around to different 
different colleges where we've, we've placed guides from Punky Australia, so it's very exciting and something I look forward to every July. I guess it was last July where the tour stopped by Rutgers, is that correct? Yeah, so we stopped by Rutgers and um, Timmy Gleason showed us around um, Rutgers facilities and, and New Jersey, so that's when I first saw Rutgers. It was actually the first stadium I've ever been in, so it's a pretty surreal feeling and yeah, the, it was an amazing tour. What a, I mean, that was a long time ago, but obviously it it hit home with you because you ended up committing to Rutgers earlier this week. What stood out about Rutgers when you visited, and what have you enjoyed about the recruiting process since then? Um, well, as I said, it was surreal because it was my first stadium. So um, just being obviously no one was in the stadium when we were when we were um, getting getting a tour from Tim, but it was just it was just amazing seeing how big the um, stadium is and the facilities and, and how much I guess money goes into into football in the States um, yeah and the recruiting process has been well John Smith and Nathan Chapman are probably Australia look after the recruiting process um, for, for, uh, on my behalf uh, we just send we send a bit of my film to, to the coaches who we um, who we know through Tim Gleason and, and I guess they like what they saw and yeah had a chat and I committed um, earlier this week, and yeah, it's been an enjoyable process, something that I've, I've really enjoyed, and, and as I said, it's surreal because it's the first stadium that, I, I, that I've ever been in, so it really stuck out to me, and obviously back then I had no idea that I would commit to Rutgers in a year's time, so yeah, it's pretty, all pretty exciting. So for, for people that don't know or, or don't follow closely, Tim Gleason is a former Rutgers punter. Rutgers does not beat Michigan a couple years ago without Tim Gleason's foot, but people will, will look at his career and, and kind of see that it got cut short with all the injuries, but it sounds like he's told you nothing but good things about Rutgers, even though his career maybe got cut a little bit short. Yeah, so, so that game against Michigan, Tim um, lit it up, and, and, but yeah, as I said, Rutgers wouldn't have won without, without Tim, and unfortunately had a few injuries and a few things happened, but you know, yeah, he has he has one of the best legs um, that come out for Australia, and and he's also a top bloke. And I'm with his brother today, actually, Will Gleason from Old Miss, and the whole family is just um, this rippers. So, yeah, he's um he's obviously he's really hasn't said a bad word about Rutgers. He's really stressed the fact that Rutgers is a family, and, and I'm really feeling that um the Rutgers family from committing earlier this week, um just through social media and. and and other avenues, but um, yeah. So Timmy's a Timmy's a good bloke. How how long have you known him? I, I guess both of you have uh, f- parents that that are in the police force. Is that right? Yeah. So um, yes, yeah, so my dad and and his dad are uh, both uh, work with police. Um, I'm I'm not sure whether they know each other. Or not, I doubt it, but I guess it's similar similar upbringings. I've known Tim um, from the trip. I first met him on the trip last year. And, and we've just stayed in touch since then, and and he's helped me a lot. And Proke Australia, Nathan Chapman, John Smith, and Rutgers with the whole process. So so we've been in touch um, sporadically throughout the the course of a couple months through the process. So what made you, other than the fact that you're obviously very talented, what made you decide American football's in your future? Because I, I imagine a lot of kids growing up where you grow up either want to play cricket want to play rugby, want to play the other kind of football. Why did you choose American football? Yeah, so I grew up um, in Australia playing cricket and, and Aussie rules football, as most kids do. 
Um, and I always wanted to be a, either a professional cricket professional Australian rules footballer. Um, and then obviously I wasn't um, good enough at either. So, and I was sort of playing second level um, Aussie rules. So, and the transition, I mean, American kids uh, grow up sort of throwing a baseball or, or, a, or a big skin where, where we grow up kicking a football with our dad in the backyards. So we, yeah, we kicked the pass. So that's sort of a natural thing for us to kick. So when I wasn't likely to get um, professional in either sport, I'd, um, I've heard about uh, Nathan Chapman and John Smith approaching Australia through um, Jason Berry, who's Jordan Berry's father, who's at the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, and and he saw me he saw me play a Nigel Rules game and said, hey, you've got a you've got a natural kick, you've got a long kick. This is something you might want to look into. And I looked into it and took a couple of months for me to, to get serious and, and commit to the program. But um, coming on the trip last year, the Pro Kick Australia tour um, in July, really solidified that there's something I want to do. Being being you know wanting always that professional sport environment and and it's a fantastic opportunity and provides many avenues for me going into the future. And yeah, as I said, I I just really want to be part of the team again and, and play team sports. Um, at, at, the, at a high level, the highest level I can. So, and obviously, I love uh, American football and the game, and, and becoming a bigger fan each and every day. So, for you to be able to represent, I mean, not only just Australia in general, but Pro Kick Australia and everything that that matters to you. For you to be able to represent that in the Big Ten and in the New York media market, is that important to you? It's a massive honor. It's a massive honor to represent Nathan Chapman. Masses wanted to represent John Smith. Um, they're two of the, the best blokes I've met. They're, they're honest. They're integrity. They have uh, like a high level of integrity, uh, integrity through the recruiting process and and just day to day dealing with all the guys who come in. I mean, I haven't met two better blokes, and, and, it's, and I'm, I'm honoured to, to represent them too. I'm honoured to represent my friends and family. I'm honoured to represent Tim Gleason and, and you now Um yeah, I'll do my best to represent them. To a high, uh, high standard on and off the field. So, but yeah, Pro Kick Australia is something that that I've like a deep emotional attachment with because you know they've provided me with this opportunity, um, and they've just been so so honest and trustworthy throughout the whole process. I did put a lot of trust in them, um, you know, because they handled all the recruiting process and and we've worked well together. And I haven't got a bad word to say about about Pro Kick Australia. So this isn't a question as much as it's just a statement on my part, but I spent about 45 minutes on the phone with John Smith uh, the day you committed. Obviously, you were traveling that day and couldn't do too much talking. He did the talking for you. And what he told me, he told me that at Pro Kick Australia, they don't want choir boys in their program, and they also don't want dickheads. So where, where, do, you, where do you fit on that spectrum? So that, that's one of Johnny's famous quotes, I don't want any choir boys, and it, and, it, and it means to have a bit, I think, I think what he means by that is, is to have confidence in your ability and to be able to perform um, and execute to a high level, and, and obviously speaking up about stuff that you might not like as well, but also on the flip side of that, you, you have to obey the coaches and, and listen to the people that, you know, are put in authoritarian positions, and, and obviously, you know, you don't want to be in a dickhead off the field and, and get yourself into trouble, and on our high academic, so there is there is a balance or a fine line between um, either being you know just maintaining the um, 
the, the attitude that it takes to be a confident a punter or like whatever skill you have, um, there's, there's a fine line in executing that and being confident in what you're doing. But yeah, Johnny's got numerous famous quotes like that, which will come out more and more when more guys get committed to schools, but that's one of his favourite ones. He definitely does not lack the confidence in you as a prospect either. So this uh, this is your chance to brag. T- tell me and tell Rutgers fans what makes you such a good punter, why you think that you're going to be successful in the Big Ten, what kind of numbers can fans expect, and what kind of attitude can they expect from you? Um, the benchmark of product kick is a 45-yard ball, 4.5 second hang. Um, so we work towards that every training session, and, and that's a benchmark. So that's the minimum. Um, and a lot of the guys, we've got numerous partners. We've got 15 to 20 partners that, that are ready to go for schools. Um, and, and because, as I said before, we grew up passing from a young age with that dad out in the backyard, for example. Um, we've got that rugby-style kit, which Tom Hackett, Mitch Wisniewski, all them blokes do so well, um, which maybe the Americans can't do so well, just just due to the fact that it's natural for us. So that ability to, to, to do drop punts and roll out um, to a precise spot on the ground, generally away from the returner, I believe is very effective. And, and you just have to look at the previous rate by award winners to, to work out which, which is effective and, and the, um, the rollout is something that works. Um, and as John said in, in an in a article recently, I think it might have been with you, Sam, huh. um, it sort of it sort of makes sport down fun again. Yes. Because that's what it, rather than just kicking on top of your head, we're kicking it away. We're trying to keep it. We're trying to pin the opposition deep inside the five and and give our um, our defense just flip the field pretty much, give the best field position we can. So um, I'm not going to sit here and brag about any unbelievable stats. As I said, there's 15 to 20 guys at Pro Kick Australia that, that are ready to go that can do what I do. But um, I can guarantee that I'm going to be 110 to everything that I do. I'm very confident in my ability to execute. And, um, yeah, I just can't wait to get started in January with Rutgers. So you mentioned January. Uh, you're six months away from college football, from Rutgers University. What yep. what do you think are going to be the challenges? Because it can't be easy. I, I don't care how old or mature anyone is. It can't be that easy to pick up, leave your family, and move all the way across the globe. Yeah, so... Um, I don't know. I mean, because I, I haven't done it. So, <laughs> but as John, as John, as John Smith says, you got We are at six months now to plan my exit strategy. Um, so, so we were talking to a few schools in July um, to go, you know, for this season, and, and that would have been a bit difficult. Just trying to, to manufacture the ability, like, a way to get over here to leave my family and friends, and, and you know, sort everything out. It would have been a bit rushed. To go in in January gives us more time than we expected. So I'm confident in my ability to transition effectively and, and um, yeah, I feel comfortable with the, the plan and process of putting in place to make that, that transition um, one that's going to be the easiest uh, the easiest sort of transition, I guess, from, from Australia to America. But it's something that I really want to do deep down as well. It's not something that I, I'm being forced to do or has to do. I mean, I went to Crokey Australia and I started training and it's something that I've, I've always wanted to do. So... Having said that, it's it's not something that anyone's forcing me to do. It's what I want to do, and, and in that, that means that, um, yes, yeah, it's, it's something that I believe will work really well, and I don't see many negatives coming out of it. I think you've probably already seen that the Rutgers fan base is 
very passionate about special teams. They get really excited when we when we talk about a kicker or a punter coming in on scholarship. So I appreciate yep. you giving us some time and, and letting the fan base get to know you a little bit. They'll be seeing you a lot more next season in the 2018 season. So I, uh, I close every podcast interview. I ask my guests the same three questions at the end of the interview. I call them the big three. And my first question for you, I, I think this is an easy answer for you, but who would you say is your favorite Rutgers player of all time? Yeah, two questions without a doubt. That, that game in Michigan was unbelievable, and, and on top of that, he's an awesome bloke. <laughs> I agree. He's a, he's a lot of fun, and for people that don't follow Tim on Twitter, you're missing out. Uh, the, the second question... Yeah, 100%. The yeah. second question, and I think it's another easy one for you, what's your favorite memory when you think about Rutgers football? Um, I think it's being in that stadium for the first time. It was, it was obviously there was no one in there. We were just having a tour, but but it was just surreal seeing it, and and I guess that sticks out to me 100%. And the last question here, and the most important one for me as someone that has spent time as an offensive lineman, uh, what is your favorite meal? If you get one more meal on earth, what are you eating? I'm in Mississippi right now. We're having tacos. I'm going to say tacos. I, that works. Not. Not what I expected, but that's a good. I always respect the taco. You can't go wrong with that. And that's very nice. Very nice. All right. Thanks to our Australian guest this week for giving us some time talking Rutgers punting, and now we're going to go back into the Eastern Time Zone and welcome Brian Fonseca to the show. Brian has joined the Scarlet Report team for the fall semester. He is a Rutgers rising senior. Senior, correct, yeah. He's a former editor of the Targum, which, as you guys know, I have a soft spot for that. Welcome to the team. Tell tell these crazy Rutgers fans about yourself. Hey, Sam. Uh, thanks for the welcome. It's an honor to be here. Uh, so, as Sam said, I'm a, I'm a rising senior at Rutgers. been going there for the past three years. As you mentioned, I worked at the Targum. I covered the football team last year uh, as the sports editor. And I also covered the basketball team for two years. Um, yeah, that's pretty much, uh, I interned at Newsday last year, last summer, and, uh, as those who have followed me on Twitter, since Sam announced me, no, I write a lot about soccer, but I promise I'll cut that coverage down once we start football season. We already have one Brian that talks way too much about soccer. I, I don't know if I can deal with a second. Uh, so you covered Rutgers football last year as, as one of the main beat writers for the Daily Targum. You traveled more than the newspapers did, which is one of the best parts of the Targum. Well used to be yeah. and then you've covered basketball as well what what stands out about your Targum experience like what kind of stuff do you remember most what were your favorite parts about doing it as a student journalist because now you're going on to do this professionally uh, as you mentioned the travel was great I saw a lot of places I've I've never been to uh, before the Targum I had never gone west of Pennsylvania so you know I got to see Seattle and Columbus Minneapolis just a bunch of great places a lot of great food um, in terms of the reporting uh, it was it was the biggest beat I've ever covered, so the access I got to and all the stories I had to write, the bulk and the interest was all the most I've ever gotten and it's only really reinforced that this is something I want to do. So that was really fun. Um, so your time at the Targum, for people that don't know how it works as a student, you, you go on a trip, usually you book it on a company credit card and then you pay for food and travel and stuff with your own stuff and you put it in for reimbursement just like a normal job what's the most ridiculous thing that you ever tried to sneak through reimbursement at the Targum? Uh, that's a good question uh, maybe we can go back in my memory banks for that one I'll give you mine 
Yeah, yeah, maybe that'll help me. My my junior year, we went out to Pittsburgh for probably football. I don't know. We used to do the Pittsburgh drive a lot back in the Big East days. We ate at Cracker Barrel, mm. and you have to have the itemized receipts, right? So it has to list everything you got to make sure you're not expensing like alcohol or. We would never do that. We would never. Do that. No, that would never happen. No. But what I did buy was, you know, how Cracker Barrel has like that store, like the country store attached to it. Yeah. They had a, they had this like stuffed animal dressed like a pirate, and I was like, well, it's Valentine's Day ish. I'm gonna try and sneak this past the Targum. So I bought it, and on the actual receipt that I turned in and got the money back for, it said Pirate Monkey ten dollars. So I don't know what they thought a pirate monkey was, whether it's some Cracker Barrel dessert or the most expensive hamburger ever at Cracker Barrel, but I expensed a pirate monkey. It worked out. They they paid back. Yeah, they paid me back. And if you're listening now, well, it's too late now. That was what ten years ago. Good luck getting that money back. Yeah, I uh, probably the most was like a, a an extra juicy Lucy in, in Minneapolis. Best burger I've ever had, by the way. Highly recommend going to Matt's Bar for that one. But I know you you don't eat burgers, Sam. But uh, for our listeners, I'm sure they'll really enjoy it. Yeah, I know too much about Juicy Lucy's. I watch too much Food Network. Yeah. Uh, anyway, back on the Rutgers topic. What are some of the big storylines you remember covering? What or do you have any players that you really got along with or really liked covering? You're three about three years into this now. So what what are your highlights? Definitely the biggest thing was last year when when Gio emerged in the quarterback competition and he took the starting job. Uh, I think that was pretty surprising. That was probably the biggest twist I saw in the season. In terms of players I, I most enjoyed talking to, uh, Darius was always a great uh, interview. Uh, Julian Pinnock-Sodrick could talk, could beat a wall in a talking conversation. He, he, that guy could talk for days, always a great quote. He can talk for days, you just won't get a word in Edwise. Sure. Just a lot of other great guys. Um, if you move to basketball, I always like talking to Corey Sanders. There's never, there, you never could expect what he's going to say, and that's what makes it fun. Um... I think you're good there. I guess the last thing before... Brian's going to stick with us for discussing the news after this. But the last thing, Brian, first off, tell people how they can find you on social media. People are going to need to follow Brian for Rutgers news moving forward. And also tell people where you're from and how you ended up picking Rutgers. Everyone loves a good commitment story. Sure. So you can find me on Twitter at Brian F with four N's. So let me spell it out. B-R-I-A-N-N-N-F. The three N's was taken... And my, my whole name was taken, so that's what I had to go with. Um, so I committed to Rutgers three years ago when I was a senior in high school. Uh, truthfully, I only applied to Rutgers and Seton Hall, and I got into both. Uh, my parents weren't going to let me leave out of state, so that's what I was left with, and uh, I chose Rutgers. And I think I made the right decision, and I'm looking forward to finishing out my academic career and uh, doing it with Sam, covering the football team. All right, it's news time here on the Rutgers Scoutcast, episode 67. Thanks again to our guests for joining us this week. First off, punter Adam Korsak, who gave us some time while he's on his American tour. He heads back to Australia soon. And also Brian Fonseca, who joins our staff starting on Monday. Brian is staying with us for the news this week. And the news going into the weekend, if you're listening to this at the pool, at the beach, doing yard work, whatever it is, Big Ten Media Day in Chicago is coming soon. It's a two-day event. Rutgers this year goes through on the second day, Tuesday, so you can look forward to all of our coverage from that. It's a big deal to me that we're the only 
recruiting site in this area that really goes out and goes all in on coverage for that. I think that's one of the advantages to Scarlet Report. As I've always said, you can contact me for an extended free trial if you're one of those lazy freeloaders that is not subscribed and just listening to the podcast for free. Uh, Brian, what are your expectations for Media Day? Anything you're looking for? Obviously, this year it's different. You're not on summer vacation like you would be at the Targum. You're you're working, and it's that's your first day of work with me. Yeah, uh, I'm interested to see what Ash will say when he's inevitably inevitably asked about uh, using his true freshman. Uh, we all know how the team is lacking depth from last season, and uh, they got a couple of good commits from last year, so he'll probably say something along the lines of using Bo Melton, and, but I'm more interested in seeing the kind of the fringe guys and how they'll fill in the gaps in the depth. Um, I'm looking to see his him talking about Ryan Anderson, which the punter, of course, for those who don't know, that was a huge area of concern last season, so just to see him talk about how much he'll improve that area, and uh, of course he'll address questions about Jerry Kill, and I'm just looking to see how, and also the most important thing I think is how comfortable he is. It seemed like the more he talked and got into his tenure at Rutgers, Chris Ash got more comfortable talking to reporters and answering questions, so I'm interested in seeing how much that's progressed over the uh, the course of the offseason. Yeah, I'm curious to see how much the media even cares about Rutgers this year. Year one, when Kyle Flood was doing it, he got tons of attention because it's a new team that joined the Big Ten. And you can say the same about Chris Ash getting attention, being a longtime Urban Meyer guy. Heck, half of media day last year was him talking about the Ohio State roster, not his choice. That's what the media cared about. This year, he's no longer interesting and new. That's up to Lovey Smith. P.J. Fleck, Jeff Brom. So what does Chris Ash do to put Rutgers in the headlines, or frankly, does he even care? Because we've seen it a lot of times. Chris Ash doesn't care about the media headlines or getting attention from the press or getting the Rutgers name out there. He just wants to do his job, coach football, and recruit well. So I'm curious to see how he approaches it. Does he have plans for special announcements to get the Rutgers buzz out there or is it just going to be me and the two NJ.com guys sitting around peppering him with roster questions for an hour? I would love that because nothing is more annoying than the national writers that will come at a media day and say, oh, Coach, who's the best dancer on your team? Coach, what's on your iPod? Have you ever done the Harlem Shake? Uh, that stuff drives me nuts, but that's also part of the job. I'm, I'm curious to see how much people care about Rutgers this year. Or is it just going to be a bunch of people asking him about getting blown out by Michigan and asking him about Jerry Kill and Minnesota uh, and Ohio State and everywhere else he's been? So that's what I'm looking for. And then as far as the players, as as everyone knows, Blasson Austin's going to be there. Great choice in my opinion because this is the only chance he's going to get to do it. I think most people would be surprised if he's still a Rutgers football player this time next year. And then the two the two big guys, Joseph and Miller, they'll say all the right things without getting you in trouble. What do you think of the three guys they picked? Is there anyone you would have put in instead of the three guys they have, Brian? No, I wholeheartedly agree with you that those were the right choices. Uh, I know that fans were wanting to see Janarian Grant, and also the media really wanted to see Janarian Grant there. Um, but as you, I believe it was you or Brian mentioned on last week's podcast, just uh, he's not as comfortable in front of the media as some players are. And uh, I think Dorian and Joseph, as you mentioned, are players that will say the right things. They'll give you a good quote, and they'll keep the name. They, they won't do anything to embarrass uh, Ash or or the program. Also with Blasson, as you mentioned, he has NFL 
potential. So not not to say that Janarian Grant, of course, would cause problems out there. He would have been fine, and people would have been excited to talk to him. But personally, I'm I'm all good with no Janarian Grant because guess what? There's only two places in the last ten months where you can hear about Janarian Grant, and that's NJ.com and Scarlet Report because we're the only two people that showed up to interview him the one time he's been available since his injury. You can go back and watch, read that interview if you go into his profile on the Scarlet Report page. I think by now it's probably free and, and no longer exclusive for our premium members. Uh, as far as Media Day nationally, I know I don't care. I'm guessing you don't really care either about what other schools have going on. I'm sure there's going to be some level of complaints with James Franklin bringing a bunch of Jersey kids out there, but you know what, that kind of thing happens. I don't really care about it. For me, as long as Rutgers gets its message out there the right way and as long as there's no headaches, it's a good media day for me. The real stuff starts the next week with the roster arriving for training camp, and I do expect non-media day news to come during that early training camp. All right, wrapping up the news here the final part of the news this week, I want to talk about a new series that we've introduced. I think it's going to be a biannual thing, and that is the Scarlet Report Power 25. If you're not a premium member, you've seen the headlines but haven't actually read the breakdowns. What I'm doing is I'm, based on my experience, seeing as much practice as any reporter out there, if not more, uh, covering these guys since their sophomore years in high school. It's ranking the most valuable players to a successful season. So we're not including potential in this. Of course, Micah Clark is a top 25 value piece in the program, but not for this season. So as you listen to this, heck, if you're listening to this right when it drops, you get the scoop. But it will also come out later Friday, the final piece, our top five team MVPs for Rutgers. And you might call it controversial, but I have both Gio Rochino and Kyle Bolin in my top five, along with Blisson Austin, Tariq Cole, and Janarian Grant. I'm not going to give you the exact order. You're going to have to go in and read why I have my number one where he is. And I think there's no question that this is the number one guy on the roster. But Brian, I'd ask you, who did I snub? Who who, who did I leave out? Who, who am I sleeping on in my top five And the same thing to fans, if you want to tweet me and think that you disagree with the way I did the list, please do it. Uh, Brian, who do you think I'm not giving enough credit? Yeah, if I had to add one player to that top five and make it a top six, I'd probably go with Duat Mitchell, um, the transfer here from from Arkansas. As you saw last year when Janarian went down with that injury against Iowa, Rutgers struggled a lot with their depth uh, on offense. Uh, It was the Jawan Harris show for the last half of the season. So to get a guy who is anxious to play, I think he only had three snaps in three years with uh, Arkansas. Um, he's anxious to play. He's chopping at the bit, and uh, I think he can have a, a big impact and can take a lot of the load off of Janarian, take some pressure off him for being the guy uh, to becoming one of the guys uh, who can make a difference on, on the offensive side of the ball for Rutgers. It's, it's crazy to say because he's only been there for seven months, but I, I – I would have, if I'm the head coach, I'd be seriously considering Damon Mitchell as a team captain this year. He just gets it, and you look at him physically where he is now compared to what he was as a quarterback at Cedar Creek. He's just a grown man. He can be a bully at wide receiver in a good way. I I wouldn't be surprised if he leads this team in receiving this year. So, you know, I, I do have – I considered Mitchell my top five. I did, and people probably know I have him 
in the top ten, but I ended up going with the quarterbacks instead because who's going to throw Mitchell the ball? It's going to be one of these two guys, and you need both of them. If last year was any indication, Rutgers needs more than one quarterback to be playing. Uh, I, I love Damon Mitchell. People forget that he was an All-State Gatorade Player of the Year quarterback in high school, so you're talking about a guy that can do things in the Wildcat that Janarian Grant cannot. He played running back at Arkansas, and as Damon Mitchell said on this podcast, go back and listen to it when he committed, he said, you don't score 43 touchdowns in high school your senior year to go sit on the bench. So he's coming in pissed off this season. I love that as a guy that could be a valuable player. And then there's other guys, too, that, I, I, you know, it's, it's tough to pick five because you're excluding 100 other guys when you pick those five. So, you know, Deontay Roberts is going to be incredibly valuable. I would say Dorian Miller is very valuable, but then you just talk about the left guard versus left tackle. What position's more important? Anyone low on the list, or is there anyone that maybe didn't make the list at all or outside of the top 15 where you're like, hey, you know what, Sam, I think that by the end of the season you're going to have this guy ranked pretty darn high. Is there anyone that you think people are sleeping on? Yeah, I'll probably go with, with Darnell Davis. Defensive end is a spot that Rutgers lost Julian Penix-Odrick, one of its team leaders last year, and given that Kamoko Ture is likely the candidate that's going to be uh, expected to step up there. Uh, he hasn't been consistent in the past few years. I know Sam's talked about being more consistent and, and buying into the to uh, Ash's vision, but if he doesn't, for whatever reason, you know, you could have Darnell Davis there, a former walk-on kid who has worked his way up and even started some games. He may come up and emerge as a leader on this team, and he may he may come up as a leader on this team, and, and uh, we may be saying his name more often towards the end of the season. All right, well, when the Scholar Report Power 25 comes out at the end of the year, we'll see where Darnell Davis ranked in. I like him as a player. I I wouldn't say that I'm confident he's going to maintain that defensive end job, but he's definitely the leader to win it right now with Kamoko Ture on the other end. We'll see, you know, we'll see what Jimmy Hogan has to offer. We'll see if Mike Tverdov comes in and makes plays right away. Brendan Bordner enrolled early to compete for that. Who's the next wave of linebackers that inevitably move to defensive end? All of that stuff. Some of it might be addressed media day. So again, I'll I'll close the news here by reminding everyone to follow us at Sam Hellman Scout, at Brian NNNNNNNNNNNF. One more N. Okay. NF. And at Scarlet Report. Everything you need is going to be on Scarlet Report this media day. And instead of you know, I'm sure that a lot of other Rutgers guys out there are going to be doing the clickbait best dancer slideshow at Media Day. We're just going to be doing the news. So if you want the news and you want to come to a place that we're not making any punchlines out of it, we're not trying to trick you guys into anything or mislead you, we're just going to talk about the news, talk about what Chris Ash had to say, and we're going to ask the right questions out there. Stay tuned. It is time to open up the Rutgers ScoutCast mailbag. This week we took one question from a Scarlet Report Premium member and the other one came in through Twitter. Both are perfectly acceptable ways of reaching us here on the show. Do you have a question that you think is better discussed in an audio format where you can actually hear my tone, my inflection, sarcasm might carry over a little bit better than it does on the internet? This is a great way to ask that. Premium members, of course, always get first dibs, but I do check Twitter. You can shoot me a message there or shoot me an email as well, shelman at scout.com. 
This week in the mailbag, our question on topic came from Scoot on the Scarlet Report Premium Forums, who asks, Sam, we always hear about the corruption in AAU basketball coaching circles, but what about the New Jersey high school football coaches? Can you share a story, obviously no names, of how seedy New Jersey high school football coaches and high-profile players can be? Well, I mean... Scoot, these days it's no different than college football and it's no different than basketball. In basketball, you call them handlers or entourage or whatever. And heck, in football, you call them seven-on-seven coaches and you call them uncles or whatever you want to say. Some of these guys, some of these influencers have the kids' best interest at heart. Some of them don't. Um, Of course... Shady things happen. It's high school. Shady things happen, and it's New Jersey. Uh, we all know New Jersey is very creative when it comes to this kind of thing. Um, can I give an example with no names of how... Yeah, okay. I think I know what you're asking. So there's a coach... Right now, the coach is unemployed. This happens a lot. Coaches bounce around a lot. The, the shady ones do usually get caught whether it's publicly or privately and move on but so there's a coach that when he got ousted at his school came on as an assistant at another school and what he would do at this school was tamper with players that he'd coached previously at his old school with players that he knew from the camp circuit and from recruiting and camps I said camps already he would tamper by telling kids, hey, come here and we can get you more offers. Come here and we can get you more articles. And he would badger writers and badger college coaches that he knew and, and badger people that handle all-star games and camps and stuff to try and get his guy's exposure. And the idea was, look, look what I can do for these one or two kids. Why don't you come transfer into us too? Maybe that was good for some of these guys that transferred to a North Jersey Catholic school and got the education, but doesn't mean it was legal. I guess we'll put it that way. What I would suggest is not worrying about it because just like college, high school, people break the rules. It's going to happen regardless. And there's nothing that complaining about it on a podcast or the internet can do. Uh, I mean, the NCAA doesn't stop this stuff, so why would we expect the uh, you know New Jersey Football Coaches Association or whomever to do anything about it. Thanks for the question. Off-topic question this week came from Mark on Twitter. This was a follow-up to our very special July 14th episode. This off-topic question, and look, if you don't get it, as they say in the Washington Post, you don't get it, so go ahead and skip two minutes. Don't worry about it. The question is, how do you think Casey Poe spent her birthday, and what psychological effects do you think having Cameron Poe as a father has done to her? Thanks, and enjoy the rest of your week. Well, I certainly did, Mark. Oh, hi, Mark. Uh, I think that Cameron Poe is an excellent father. I think that Cameron Poe was just a man caught in a tough situation, defending his wife in a bar fight. Could have happened to any of us. The fact that he was trained as a dangerous weapon was held against him, and he served his time. But what did Cameron Poe do? while he was serving his time during those seven years that he was away from Casey and Trisha Poe when he was with Baby O in the prison. What did he do? He got in shape. 
He learned Spanish. He learned Latin. He wrote letters. He bought a teddy bear for his daughter. All that Cameron Poe did during his time incarcerated was become a better person. And I thought it was good parenting by Trisha Poe to keep Casey separate so that when she finally met the Cameron Poe that saved the world in Las Vegas, uh, he, he was a changed man. So I'm sure it was tough for her to not have that father early, but the last 20 years that they've spent together, I'm sure she's grown up to be, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and say business executive. That's where I think she is now, and I hope she had a great birthday. Thanks for the question. Anyone else that has Con Air questions, by the way, anytime I could talk about that movie. What a great movie. I also highly recommend checking out the Con Air cast on iTunes. Some people down in my neck of the woods in D.C. Did, an ep- did a podcast talking about the greatness of Con Air. You should check that out. So that's the mailbag for this week. I do like all sorts of off-topic questions. That one was probably a little bit too niche, but you know what? Sometimes I can't resist. Sorry about that. Episode 67 of the Rutgers Scoutcast is in the books, and it is wonderful. Thanks to everyone that stuck with us till the end as we surpass the 45-minute mark on this show and close things out. Make sure to send a tweet over to the folks at ProKick Australia. Obviously not Adam Korsak himself, but his coaching staff, they do a really good job marketing their kids and, and making sure that young Australians have the opportunity to come study and and play football in America. It's a really cool system, and they really do have the best interest of their players at heart. Thanks to Brian Fonseca for his debut on the show. I'm sure we'll have him on a couple more times during the length of his internship. The next three to four to five days are going to be an absolute nightmare for me. We're transitioning to the new platform. I'm traveling to Big Ten Media Day, and I literally picked one vacation day this summer. That is Sunday, so of course that's the day that we're changing platforms and I need to get ready for Media Day. Uh, All I'll say is bear with us. We're going to do the best we can to make sure that everyone goes through this transition easily. Of course, if you're still listening to this and the fact that you know what a podcast is, pretty good sign you're going to be able to figure out the site and how to log in. We'll cross that when we come to it in a couple days. I am the host of the Rutgers Scoutcast, Sam Hellman. Thanks for listening. This is the smell of a warm three-day-old egg salad sandwich in a wimpy trash bag. Wimpy, wimpy, wimpy! And this is the smell of that same sandwich in a hefty, ultra-strong trash bag with new Fabuloso lemon scent. Hefty, hefty, hefty! <sighs> smell the difference? When life gives you stinky, get Hefty Ultra Strong with new Fabuloso Lemon Scent. It smells like clean, freshly picked lemons. So no matter what's inside your trash, you can stop the stink and smell the lemon. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.